bonjour, zdravstvoja. Welcome to the Sportsbet Football Podcast. I'm Molly Jones, and I'm joined by uh, Sportsbet Football Trader David Ong. New father, new father, the third time, David. Yes, the third time. Congratulations on that. Um, I'm sorry, obviously you've been uh, up late nights anyway um, with your with your new baby. Um, so have you seen much of the? Have you seen every game? No, I took a took a night off last night, but uh, I've seen majority of them. Uh, having a newborn baby obviously works very well. You can get up and just tell the wife, "Go, no, you relax there. I've got this. Get up and watch the games." Uh, all going well. Yeah, baby Quinn. Uh, some say after Niall Quinn, but uh, maybe more Mickey Quinn, who was <laughs> banging the goals for Coventry back in the day. Well, it's been a p- completely confounding tournament so far. Um, all the favourites, bar France, who sort of almost for me looked the least convincing uh, out of every out of all the big teams have stumbled at the first hurdle we've had uh, Argentina Spain Brazil all drawing and uh, this morning Germany uh, Daimannschaft taken firmly in hand by Mexico um, what's going on? It's a pretty weird one isn't it? Um, like as you say France were winners but of any team they were probably like less convincing than the likes of Brazil who were a touch unlucky but um, Germany was definitely a shock this morning the Mexicans look very impressive and when you kind of look back over the last couple of days and you think to yourself, who has been kind of standouts? You're talking about Mexico's and Croatia's of the world. Yeah, I thought Mexico were absolutely astounding in that first half. They seem to be just poking holes in Germany in a way that I haven't seen a side do in a major tournament sort of ever. And the, the German midfield, I don't know where it was. Um, so often you saw sort of their centre-half striding to forward to fill in the gap. And that just left this enormous space in behind that sort of Javier Hernandez, who is ne- he's never been sort of blisteringly fast, was was sort of able to exploit. And, and, and that sort of little through ball he played, I thought was, you know, pitch perfect. Um, they should really have gone 2-0 up in the second half when he had the opportunity to sort of square one and just sort of pushed it too far to the left. And then Germany obviously hitting the post with that tremendous shot from the uh, the blonde sort of, I won't say Nazi youth, I have said it now, looking <laughs> left back whose name escapes me. What's his name? Oh, the left back, yeah, I'm not going to do it into mm-hmm. this. Yeah. It's, 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 it's <laughs> no, a new guy, yeah. Any of the three defence I would have given you, but... Um, yeah, well, we'll get to that sort of uh, more later. We should probably dive right into the uh, the Socceroos versus France game. The the country that we're both uh, permanent visa residents of, uh, Australia, our new home, uh, it's pointed out on Twitter that probably five years ago, um, it, were this game to have taken place, the Socceroos probably win 1-0. Uh, France awarded two goals via uh, the technology. Um, did that leave a little bit of a bit of taste in your mouth, the, the VAR? And then the goal line technology. Does it take a bit of the a bit of the spirit out of the game? Were the Socceroos then sort of stiff? Did it- I think um, obviously oh, I'm old school, so I think VAR the stop start nature of it is a bit of a disaster. And if you're an Aussie kind of fan looking at it, you're going to feel hard done by. I mean, um, did Risden touch it? Did he follow through on Griezmann? It's hard. I mean, the penalty call was probably the right call. I think they had about. 674 cameras to look at um, to see did he was it a penalty I, did, I thought do you know what do you know, this is going to sound sort of odd but I actually thought the kind of VAR decision was made almost too quickly um, it was about a minute between the incident and then you know them saying have a look at this I, I'm watching all the angles in the post-match there's no way you could have watched the angles sufficiently to ascertain that he hadn't contacted the ball and then there is one very specific angle in super slow motion where Risden clearly does um, graze the ball 
which I think technically is enough. You make contact with the ball, you win. You've you've has he then won the ball? For me, kind of yes. Like that's that's football, and also the contact still has to be sufficient to bring the player down. You know, incidental contact is is not a foul, and I feel like. Griezmann, there's not enough contact for. I've I've played football at an, at an okay level, and I know very specific this 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 truism about or oh, players running so fast, any kind of contact brings them down. The lightest contact. That's just a complete pile of shit. That's just something that someone said on Sky Sports Monday Night Football once. That's now just this tr- truism that's supposedly believed in football. It's just not true. I I from playing know that very often when I felt contact, I could choose whether to go down or not. Just because you're moving quickly, it doesn't necessarily mean that you you are going to topple over at the lightest contact. And I think he goes down easily. Is he looking for a penalty? Would you expect your your player in the same circumstance to do that? Yes. But I think this is what VAR was brought in for, was to stop these kind of borderline decisions. It has to be uh, clear and obvious evidence to overturn the on-field decision. I just... I just can't think that it was. Would it have been given to Australia? Opposite way around? Uh, would I? Would it have been given to Australia? I don't think it would. I think if you know, if you have a smaller name going forward, and if you have a sort of, you know, if it if it is Naboo through on goal, does he get given that decision? Hard to know. Maybe Hard not. Hard to know. Maybe not. Maybe not. Um, but so you know, excuse the excuse the cliche, but um, certainly a valiant effort from the Socceroos. Um, for you, what were the sort of major positives for the uh, Australian team to take out the game? Well, I think this surprised a lot of people. I think the French were a bit of a shambles, um, you know, for the supposed kind of one of the pre-tournament favorite, uh, favorites. They didn't click as a team very much about the individual. The front three of Mbappe, uh, Dembele, and Griezmann. They were terrible. I mean, threesomes are supposed to be fun, um, <laughs> from what I'm told. But they, um, they're supposed to live long in your memory, but they, they were terrible. They, they kind of played for themselves. Uh, it was pod- a very awkward threesome. The key to a threesome is, uh, you know, is everybody is everybody sort of getting involved together and they just seem to be wanting to do their own thing, which is not really in the spirit of the threesome. Exactly. I think if you plan for a threesome, you're in trouble. It's supposed to be off the cuff. <laughs> but um, Pogba was all over the shop as well. Um, they got out of jail, definitely. But look, it also could be put down to first game of the tournament. Let's get up and running. But uh, I think Australia were very unlucky not to get something out of the game. Trent Sainsbury was amazing. At the cent- uh, playing centre-back with Milligan. Um, they'd done an awful lot of things right and... The second goal, Pogba's deflected shot from Bayich, was unlucky as well. And it gives him a chance. I mean, stay positive. You know, Denmark, by any means, aren't great, you know, after very lucky against Peru. So they can take an awful lot out of it. Yeah, no, I, I think all those points are uh, are completely true. It's, it's a bit annoying that, you know, Pogba makes one great pass for Griezmann, gets the VAR penalty, and everyone says, you know, he's the difference. I thought he was... Abysmal! I couldn't believe that he was on the pitch in the first sort of twenty minutes, and then, and then, and and didn't do didn't do a tremendous amount in the second half. I thought Kylian Mbappe looked threatening occasionally, but as you said, just absolutely no seeming no coherence between him and the other two forwards. Just an incredibly disjointed team, and I don't see what the fix is for the only person who impressed me on the on the field was um, Kante, who I thought was excellent, very good and as usual. Just just a, just a, a consummate operator always does what he's what he does. Um, 
I don't understand what Didier Deschamps does now, though. What's the change that you make? You can't, you can't just inject creativity into a midfield. Whether you get rid of one of your sort of front three and give Pogba more of a roaming role up front, I don't know. It doesn't. I don't really care to be honest. I hope they go out um, with sort of ignominious losses to Denmark and Peru. I mean, that's um, fingers crossed. Um, speaking of Denmark, um, a unconvincing win against Peru, a Peru side who for me as well disappointed a little bit but both of those things surely good news for the Socceroos um, they've got Denmark next um, how do you see that one going? Yeah it's worked well it's not work, kind of worked out I mean the draw probably was the best for Australia um, I like Peru to get out of the group but they were very unlucky in the match had a missed a horrendous penalty at the stroke of half time the good thing for Australia is that they won't fear Denmark and at the same time the French will probably be Peru. So even though Peru are you know, half a classy outfit from South America, they will rock into the last game probably with nothing to play for, which will play into Australia's hands. Australia should have nothing to fear against Denmark. No, I absolutely agree. I missed a Trent Sainsbury, you you touched on it. He was just I thought just completely sensational. Um did not look like the same player that we, that we usually see. He was, he, his positioning was great. His decision making was great. He knew when to just get rid. Um, really, just the absolute standout performer for me. Um, and I think against those Danish forwards, he's got absolutely nothing to fear. He's got the pace on both of them. He should be able to handle them physically. Uh, if he puts in a performance like that, then I can't see, I can't see the Socceroos conceding a goal unless it's from a piece of Ericsson magic even though but you know even said that he was incredibly poor in the game I, I would have thought that their set pieces would be their major threat their threats, yeah. but he was his delivery was atrocious the whole game um, it was just staggering um, have you got a sort of same game multi for us in that Denmark game uh, there was lots of, uh, I guess with VAR, a couple of people have uh, kind of had a love in with the penalties awarded and penalties given, that kind of stuff. A lot uh, of penalties given so far in the tournament. Yeah. Like how many? Six so far? Five? Yeah, there's been, there was... One, two, three, four. Probably six, yeah. Yeah, six. Um, no, there's a few there around bookings and first halves. So when you get goals in both halves... Um, and <clears throat> lots of corners, that seems to click with punters. Um, so the more the merrier. Um, the key with the same game multi is just to throw in as many legs as humanly possible and then have a go at maybe one or two or three of them that's my uh, that's my experience in this sort of internal betting competitions that we run at sports but obviously neither Dave or I can avail ourselves of the same game multi and also nobody none of our competitors have actually got got round to sort of um, creating a competitive product either so we're, we're rather stuffed so it's a tedious and what about um, the French French Umtiti, the handball. Umtiti. I mean, what was he? I don't, I honestly don't know what, that just shows also, I don't, A, I don't know what he was thinking. I don't want to worry about it too much, but the, um, it just shows how poor their centre half, their, sorry, their, their fullback choices are. I've just can't, I just can't understand how they've got four of the worst players. We should probably touch on their, the, the diving as well. Hernandez. Mr. Hernandez. Oh, Carrying, that's. I mean, that's the type of thing that I think VAR should be used to look back on. He should have been booked potentially three or four times for simulation, and should well, and should have been, shouldn't have been on the field for the majority of the second half. I think it's just. 
He's come out and said that he does over-exaggerate a bit post-match. Oh, he said that? Yeah, he said oh, that. Wow. And actually, the first, when he said that, I thought maybe he's better in the threesome um, than <laughs> some, of the, some of the other guys. It, it was pretty It was pretty abysmal to watch. And I know that uh, anyone who has had a look on our Facebook page and seen our wonderful post-match uh, fan talk outside the stadium will have seen that that was the, the major theme afterwards. Um and understandably so. And I think, you know, FIFA have said that the, it seems like the, the sort of refereeing in terms of the tackles has been fairly lean. You've seen some pretty big, hefty challenges going in and them not being punished with fouls in a bid to sort of keep Americans interested, allegedly. Um, which makes sense to me. Americans like physical sports. They don't want to see people flopping on the floor. Um, but you, you, we need to sort of go that extra step and sort of start sort of actually um, bringing in penalties for people who actually do that and, and giving free kicks and yellow cards anyway. Um, I would say that's more of a, maybe not for the Americans, more, maybe more for uh, Pat Cash after his, you see last week he said like uh, AFL was a real man sport and in fairness a lot of Aussies kind of feel said, that way. No, nah, kind of came out and said, you know, you're full of crap, Mr. Cash. <laughs> but, um, what is tennis then? Like, is tennis a, man, a man's sport or a- checkered flags in your head and hopping up in the royal boxes? Uh, that's what it's all about. Jesus Christ, that earrings! You know, I always knew there was something wrong with Pat Cash from the second I saw that sort of hooped earring. Anyway, we'll move on. So we've mentioned threesomes, Pat Cash. Okay, what's this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but we'll whip through the games, the the sort of shot games, the big games so far. Germany versus Mexico. We talked about it at the start of the podcast. Probably the shock of the tournament so far. Um, Mexico besting die Mineshaft, uh, leaving the Mexicans going loco in the Luzhniki. Um How big of a shock was it for you? I like, you know, will it have repercussions going forward? Is it just the case that like a lot of these teams are starting slowly, and that isn't the worst thing in the world if you can build towards an enormous? It kind of seemed like Mexico had played their final then and there, Chicharito in tears at the end of the game. Does that? speak to probably the best psychological position going forward you sort of exhausted yourself emotionally after one game yeah Mexico actually over the last kind of four or five World Cups have actually got a really good record um, they've only before the German game they've only lost two of 15 group games so they're definitely kind of a knockout or sorry not a major tournament team um, a lot of familiar players like Hernandez and Carlos Vela that played in the Premier League um, definitely a shock though um, Germany with the strength they had, but I guess their their front line didn't work. Timo Werner, we talked about him the last day, didn't he ineffective. One one scuffed shot wide in the first half, and just didn't seem to be making chances. Seems to need a team that's designed for him, and I don't think this Germany side is. He likes to get into the channels and. Not he's not one of those sort of fox in the box types who can sort of stand there and play it off. Um, he was poor, and I don't know what yeah, they the have. start with Draxler as well, which makes leaving Sane out of the squad even more stupid. Yeah, oh God, how like, that will be that is so that is def- very definitely the you know you and I probably both very across the British media, but that is very much the story coming out of the UK after that result was. Well, this is what you get for leaving out one of the best young players in the world, and. I'm, it's hard not to have sympathy with that view, given given the lack of creativity they seem Absolutely. to have. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Anyway, Germany they'll have they have it to do now, um, but I guess they're looking the sense that they've got Sweden and uh, a lot of injuries in the South Korean squad, so you'd imagine they should still get six points out of it. But 
it's not as easy as it was. Uh, Did do you see that story in the, about the the South Korean manager said that in the friendlies he was getting the players to swap jerseys because nobody could tell the difference between their players, so he was using swap getting to swap jerseys and playing different positions to confuse people. So all of a sudden you'd think you had you were marking like the centre half from a corner, but actually it's the diminutive right back. I don't know whether that's like. Can you be racist against yourself? I don't know. You probably- I don't know. It seems uh, it might work. Um, <laughs> and of course, the Mexicans were a bit of a so-called controversy in a pre-World Cup. The kind of the players, kind of. Oh, yeah, uh, the yeah, the prostitute prostitute path, 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 but that's working. So I recommend <laughs> maybe Australia hit the town on Wednesday night. <laughs> yeah, it's not the worst idea. Um, the Brazil versus Switzerland game, obviously another big shock. Um, an amazing goal from Coutinho, who we tipped for our golden boot. Um, one of the one of the sort of better World Cup goals I think so far. There has been some pretty great goals, but then um, wiped out by a header from Mr. Zuba, who uh, pushed, unma- pushed Miranda. Did he push him? Uh, just uh, not for, not for not enough for me. Um, it would help if Miranda actually put his hands up and started complaining. Yeah, he seemed to be happy out about it. Yeah, he didn't seem to didn't seem too too phased. I got uh, even then. You he did seem to have an incredible amount of space. Even with the push, like he's five yards either side. It'd be tough it. if it wasn't given. Yeah, very tough. Um, the, the the sort of Swiss approach seemed to be pretty much what we were expecting. Very physical. Um, uh, Mr. Neymar found ten times in the match, um, the most in a in a World Cup ever on a single player. Um, the only uh, uh, sorry since Alan Shearer, who was found eleven times against Tunisia. Um, so you know, I think fairly obvious what their approach was um but you know if it works it works i think i think sort of pre-tournament we were talking that miranda and marquinhos would be the starting center house but they played silver instead who was a part of that seven two seven one drubbing and i don't understand why he starts ahead of marquinhos bigger name i guess um is it the case that maybe they haven't quite banished all the all the ghosts yet and still do have a bit of sort of defensive frailties, particularly from set pieces? Look, it's a, it's a tricky one. I mean, they were very, very impressive in qualifying. It's not the end of the world, this draw against the Swiss. I mean, they were, you know, seven points still season, probably top the group. Mm. Um, defensively, I mean, Switzerland's outside of that, goal, I mean, they didn't really create any more chances, so I think more going forward, they were very dominant around the 20 minutes around Coutinho's goal and finished in a flourish, but um, Neymar, Jesus and these guys William, um, they've got goals in them, it's not the best start but it's not a disaster. Again, one of those things where they could use it as a springboard, their group isn't the hardest, they if they qualify, then they can sort of build. It isn't, you don't want to come out and, you know, Russia coming out and scoring five goals. Um, I'm not going to talk about that game too much purely because I think there was, it felt like there were other things. I'm not saying match fixing. I'm just saying max fixing, fixing adjacent type um, things because... uh, Oil price fixing. Yeah, maybe something to do with that. Anyway, um, the Argentina-Iceland game, um, of all the shock results, um, this was a... a, a more lower level shock for me this was like sort of uh, you know when you find milk in the fridge when you when you thought you didn't have it 
it was kind of more that kind of shock as opposed to like you know an enormous shock, uh, an electric shock or something. Uh, Iceland, I thought, you know, matched up well against Argentina. That proved the case. Uh, Argentina had 80% of the possession, but only managed seven shots on target and only two of those were inside the box. Iceland actually made two bigger chances. Yeah, and probably bigger chances in the f- first half. Yeah, and, and probably should have been further ahead. Um, and the then, story is incredible. It really is like, I mean... 10% of the country are currently in Russia. Just unbelievable. Halderson, the keeper that saved Messi's penalty, he was, he's also a filmmaker. Um, He was heavily involved in Iceland's Eurovision uh, song six years ago. So that alone is just madness. (laughs) Yeah. And and like, had a great save as well later on from a sort of caught a a free kick that came in. One of those ones that sort of skids across the six-yard box. You so often you just see them bounce into the corner because the goalkeeper's preempting a sort of touch on it to take it into the near post, um, and he got his hand to that. He's a he's a he's too good to be producing video. He should be, I'm sure, doing this. Well, more he might if he touches base with the three French guys. He might have a video. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, like Messi, of course, the eyes of the world were on him after Ronaldo's hat trick to follow up. So to see, can he kind of match this kind of? Superlatives, but that didn't work. Um, Higuain and Dybala were on the bench. Higuain came on, but not a great start by Argentina. They're going to struggle because this Croat side are they're a classy outfit. They're the real deal, and like they looked, Argentina looked old and slow, uh, kind of almost throughout the team. Aguero's goal I thought was sensational, but also real fluky. That was not a pass to him. That was a shot that he controlled and and turned into a goal. Um, yeah, very, very, very lucky. Um, the Spain-Portugal game, um, I suppose not really like technically a shock. It was for me, I thought that Spain would roll over Portugal very easily. Um, I probably underestimated the power of Ronaldo and I think his performance was probably one of the best in a World Cup game ever. The winning the penalty, um, you know, the shot, the shot against De Gea, lucky but you know you miss 100% of the shots you don't take and then the the free kick which put me in mind of the the one he did against Portsmouth at the very start of his career for Manchester United um put it where the spiders sleep the ability to get that ball up and over the wall at the pace he gets it, it very seldom do you see David De Gea flat-footed but he was just a, a passenger and just watched that fly into the fly into the net um one of the all-time greats, the games, wasn't it? A 4am start, I got yeah, up for it, thankfully. Um, an amazing game of football. Spain, very dominant, but suspect to Portuguese breaks. Um, and Ronaldo, even though I'm more of a messy man myself, uh, that free kick to wrap it up, it was just absolutely incredible. I don't know how you can be a messy man now after after he's been so, like... So, you know, I, I'm, Five years ago, I thought Messi was the better player. Everything since then has convinced me that I was wrong and that Ronaldo is more clutch. He won the European Championship with a team of... He basically was... He was the he was the LeBron James with the Cleveland Cavaliers. It was him and a bunch of fucking also-rans somehow won the European Championship and now he does this in the World Cup. Messi has got a long way, I think, to come back now to sort of redeem himself in the... I think the global narrative now will be that he is the best and that Messi is number two and a bit of a bit of a well, flake. 
unless Messi wins the tournaments, uh, Ronaldo probably has the number one spot. Um, I couldn't believe Charisma is still playing. Oh, unbelievable. I think there's two things that you're guaranteed in 20 years' time is that Nadal is still winning French Opens and Charisma is in <laughs> yeah. Portuguese squads. The man, it's just unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, they, well, other old people who sort of seem to let them down, um, old mate at the back, Pepe, uh, for the first goal, muscled out of it by um, Costa and then throws himself on the floor spends half of the time imploring to the referee before tracking back and almost makes a, a, a tackle to intervene. If he'd had he not just sort of fannied around and and tried to sort of suck off to the referee, could probably have affected a tackle. Um, what a piece of shit he is. Anyway, I'll... He um, is, absolutely. But uh, Ronaldo, 84 international goals. 84. Joined second now with Fern Pushkas, uh, the Hungarian grace. And Named after the uh, goal-scoring award, I believe. Yeah, and Ali Dai is the leader in 101 for anyone that followed their 90s football. He was the Iranian bloke with the beautiful tash that played for yes. uh, Bayern. Ali Dai, God, I remember, remember him well. Um, <laughs> probably the only Iranian goal-scorer I could tell you about. Um, I will quickly move on to a uh, quick three things we've learned so far. Um, I'll fly through mine, Dave, to give you a sense yeah. of what I'm after here. Um, Malinkovic Savic, for me, um, the standout player of the, the tournament so far. I, some of his touches in that game, in his first game, were some of the some of the more pretty things I've ever seen in my entire life. He looks at moments like Dimitar Berbatov, at moments like the best of Paul Pogba, and then he can also look like um, you know Lewandowski up front. His overhead kick was... One of the more technically difficult I've ever seen. It doesn't he doesn't score it? Obviously, it sort of just sort of swoops in and hits the keeper, manages to save it. But it was just a, a beautiful moment. His touches are sometimes I'd like to see a little bit more in terms of uh, final product. But he, for me, is the player who will after the end of this tournament. I wouldn't be surprised to see him moving for lots and lots of money, sixty or seventy million in that sort of price range. Um, African teams really struggling: Morocco, Egypt, Nigeria, all lost. Um, only one more team from Africa to come. That's Tunisia. So that probably means they'll come out and smash England tonight. But the uh, the main story for me, David, is that Optus, the uh, the broadcaster in Australia, cannot be trusted and should immediately give the rights to all these games over to a proper TV channel because that first game, the very first night, the Egypt versus who was it? Egypt versus Uruguay, Uruguay. game um, turned on. The uh, my laptop to to watch the game. Oh, it's actually on the iPad and uh, nothing. Absolute donuts. Pixels, just pixels for the f- entire first half. Um, we we went fairly hard on them on Twitter. Um, I think that was fair. I think that was justified. This is one of the biggest uh, events in in the world, and we can't see it because you haven't built the infrastructure to handle the demand, which is literally the only thing you need to do. Um, a, a pretty, a pretty appalling showing from them, and 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 still a problem. Last night I, I tuned on, tuned in to watch the Serbia game. Couldn't, um, just just staggeringly poor. It's terrible. The the biggest event in town uh, needs a government intervention of some sort. Of some sort. It, it, I just don't understand how when you've when you've when you've made such a bold decision, when you spent millions buying the rights to screen these games. To then, uh, the the goodwill you're losing by doing it badly is just not worth buying in the first place. This now for Optus will be a net loser 
for the whole tournament. They've completely brought shame to their to their brand. I can't see how they recover. I'm I hope I hope they do. But um, maybe we can get a Barnaby Joyce on sixty minutes again or, or <laughs> yeah. and talk about the problems. It would be very. I would love to see the head of Optus front up. Um, and they're, they're, to be honest, their response so far has been so poor. Saying there are too many people tuning in is just simply, simply not an excuse. Uh, David, the three things you've learned so far. We've kind of touched base on a few of mine already. Um, number one for me is that Saudi Arabia, Crown Prince and Putin have definitely done a new oil deal after that match. <laughs> very, very suspect what was going on in that box. A um, lot of handshaking. A lot of handshaking. Uh, something good is covered. A lot of handshaking that was followed by 5 0 uh, to Russia, a team who were in shocking form for the previous 12 months. The Saudis didn't seem to want to tackle. They seemed to think that. they. I, I didn't see them. I don't think they want to tackle in the second half. Just that's, I think that's an actual stat. Just yes. to put. Yeah. Uh, my second one is, even though I'm a grown man with three kids, I've now got a, uh, a um, poster of Hervé Renard, the Moroccan coach, uh, behind my bed. Strapping, fine <laughs> specimen of a man. <laughs> Loves a very, very tight-fitted uh, shirt. Yeah, and, all yeah. that. Um, and more football-related, I mean, um, two things. Ronaldo, uh, one-man one man, man teams can work, as you've touched base on already. And the Aussies, they've definitely got a chance now um, against um, Denmark, sports better four fifty on site at the moment. Um, I can see them getting a result. That's Good it. times are coming back. And, and any of the players who've impressed you so far? We've both touched on Trent Sainsbury. Yeah, Sainsbury, um, amazing. Um, he's at Grasshoppers in Switzerland. Um, got a small stint in at Inter Milan in Italy, but this tournament has definitely opened him now to a bigger move, and we might see him in the Premier League sometime soon. He's got West Brom centre half written all over him for me, to be honest. Um, the only other person I would say would be uh, Luis Advincula for Peru, who I've just never seen a faster player in my life. There was a moment when he really cut loose um, and he was coming, he was actually tracking back. And I've just never, he was just flying past people. He's a 27 year old playing in Mexico. You're playing the wrong sport, mate. You should just be sprinting. It's just, unbe- just unbelievable. Uh, not so much of a, you know, not a bad player, but not uh, nothing special. But with wheels like that, it doesn't really. You can get you out for so many sort of problems. And the the other thing that I do want to sort of pick up on is whether you want to change any of your pre-tournament picks. I'm going to give you one week to pivot. So you have this podcast, another podcast, before we lock those in. Your, uh... Well, that is an obvious one. Uh, Leroy Sané that I picked for um, <laughs> player of the tournament. Impossible when he's not there. So I would like to retract that statement, please. Yeah, well, um, we, we cut we cut it from the actual podcast, but uh, yeah, um, we can. I think I picked him as well. So we'll both pick a new. Um... Yeah, we'll come back with that one. It was a bit of a shocker. Um, so at the rest, um, I did give Croatia and Poland as kind of outsiders. That Croat thing isn't looking too bad now, and. If the way now after the first lot of games, the way the draw is playing out, the right-hand side of the draw is going to become very, very open yeah. to teams. The, I think that I, the right-hand side of the draw could throw up a real a real strange player from a really strange sort of team getting very, very deep into the fans. I've, a lot of people talking about Uruguay. Personally, don't see it. Um, we'll see. We need to uh, quickly review, preview tonight's uh, 
game. The uh, not the land of my birth, but the land where I certainly grew up, England, Tunisia. No, <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> Tunisia. <laughs> um, it's uh, with the top teams sort of stuttering Germany, um, potentially the second round opposition for England, or if they win this, they could probably avoid Germany, maybe. Um, it all seems to be rather coming together for the three lines. Uh, does that, Dave, uh, inevitably mean that they're going to walk out there, look like deer in headlights and sort of tamely succumb to a, to a, a lively Tunisian side, 1-0? Is that this, what's going to happen? This Tunisia team is terrible. They're like, as you said, African teams. I mean, Morocco were a bit unlucky, um, but Tunisia came through a very easy group in qualifying. Um, Congo, um, Guinea, and Libya. Ooh. I'm not sure. Is the, I think the, we could Gaddafi put a sports still, bet eleven together. To be honest, who could Gaddafi see off still that played for Libya, but um, yeah, um, Switzerland bet them six nil back in March. Their only goal they've scored this year is in a friendly against Trinidad. They're no good. Um, they've lost one of their best players uh, pre-tournament to injury and for anyone that's a Sunderland fan out there Kaziri is probably their only kind of star player at the World Cup England are blessed with this group and if the results keep going their way when they rock up to play Belgium in the last game they'll probably want to end up play, uh, finishing second to get outside of the tough side of the draw yes. but I see nothing but an England result um, tonight um, it'll be interesting to see their formation probably play three at the back which he's been um, doing in friendlies with Kyle Walker sort yeah, of Walker is more with Maguire and Stones um, I like kind of maybe Raheem Sterling to get on the score sheet um, guns and all on his um, calf muscles um, scored for fun for City this year $3 anytime because um, he'll, he'll be uh, just playing off Harry Kane yeah, sorry that was yeah Harry Kane $3.10 to be the first goal scorer I'll have a look for Mr Rashford 6 Sterling 6.50 for uh, first time, first time, first time, <laughs> first goal scorer. Uh, first ever goal scored in the World Cup. That would be a good market. Um, I think that's probably right. I know that England have an incredible ability to choke, but it almost seems like this team is a little more close-knit. And a, it seems like with most of them born or certainly don't have a memory of Gareth Southgate's penalty miss in the Euros... There's a good there's there's a good chance that maybe those those sort of choky English tendencies are gone. I hope. <laughs> yeah, we will see. Um, they just don't seem like a team of chokers. I, I, I go through the list here: Harry Kane, Jamie Vardy, Marcus Rashford, Sterling, Lingard, Deli Ali. Um, it's oh, a new breed, isn't it? it it's is, it's it, kind of like. Um the optimism in England isn't as big as it normally was because them kind of Lampards and Gerrards schools of the world aren't there anymore so that's going to help them I still feel Southgate's a bit of a joker but that said I mean after these results I mean you know get on that other side of the draw the way it's panning out and things can happen No I agree and you almost don't even need to be a particularly good manager it seems to be if you look at the the sort of calibre of managers in this competition there aren't a lot of people there aren't a lot of top top managers here. There's only one I can think of is Renard at uh, Morocco. Renard at <laughs> Morocco. Or Renard. And, and, the... and obviously, what's his name? The Spanish one who's no longer with the yeah, team. La, 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 Lopetegui. Lopetegui. La, um, um, gone. And do you know do you know who's a good bet for sort of first goal scorer? If you, if you want to have a little bit of a dip on um, a bit of a roughie, Cal Walker arriving for a corner. Um, he's actually pretty good in the air. Cahill, $31. Kyle Walker, $61. 
this Tunisian side are not not tall, and they are not good at defending set pieces from from what I've, the little I've seen of them. Um, that said, if you do want to have a dip on Tunisia, if you're feeling in the in the t- type of spirit where um, not only do you want to enjoy watching England lose, but you also want to gain some monetary uh, recompense out of that as well. Uh, Tunisia paying $8.50. Not the longest odds, though, David, tonight, um, because playing later in the evening, Belgium versus Panama. I think these Panama must be the longest odds in the entire first round. $19 for the Canal Men to get a, a result. <laughs> the That's their, that is their legit name. Um, they are... Worse than Tunisia. (laughs) They are shocking. They are up there with the Saudis as the worst team in this tournament. And if it wasn't for the Saudis 5-0, I would have them as the worst team in the tournament. I've heard that their tactics are likely to be very physical. Um, They don't mind just booting people. If you're looking for a little bit of a a same-game multi, chuck a red card into your uh, same-game multi because I feel like one will happen in this game. I feel like there's a, a Panamanian, maybe even a straight red. Um, from everything I've seen, they, they really don't mind uh, putting the boot in, which is something I enjoy, but um, I, I can't see that it's going to help them get a result against a Belgium side that um, are at their best when they're sort of in that flat track bully type of mode. Yeah, in all my excitement, I was actually, I meant to say that the 6-0 Switzerland in March was actually in relation to the Panama bus been so taken back by how poor both sides are but Panama in qualifying in 10 qualifying games they scored 9 goals they had a negative goal difference and they still bloody qualified for the World Cup can anyone explain that to me? No absolutely not um, they had some also had some dodgy things with a game with an ineligible player ended up getting points for it very strange um, 5 nil to Belgium is $21 if you want to go a bit bigger than that 6 nil 56 Seven. They could break some records here. Seven hundred and fifty-one dollars. If you just want a nice firm investment instead of putting your money in the bank, uh, Belgium to win both halves, two dollars thirty. Oh, um, yeah, that's your bet for you tonight. That is. Uh, that looks pretty tasty to be honest. I think I'll be. Uh, I'll be dipping into that one. Um, sorry, the canal men might need the <laughs> might need a boat to get home. By Sounds like a backing group, doesn't it? Yeah, um, like yeah, exactly. Dave McDonald and the Canal Men. <laughs> I'll think about it. <laughs> Playing at Ringwood RSL this weekend. Uh, free entry if you get there before eight, and uh, we've got to meet Trey Raffle. Um, right, I think that's everything we've covered. Um, we'll be back tomorrow with Brett Emerton. Um, the the great man is phoning in from his holiday. Um, what a wonderful man to to make time for as well. He's I think he's um, a, a caravan site in uh, Tunisia. Well, yes, yeah, yeah, somewhere. Uh, having a having a great time with his family, but he's going to make an hour for us to uh, preview the betting in a few of the upcoming bigger matches. So uh, we'll get back to you then, uh, David. Thank you very much. Have you got anything you want to leave on, or do you feel like you've got everything away? I've got everything away. I'm excited for um, Belgium to give uh, Panama a good spanking tonight. Again, yeah. spanking in relation to three separations. <laughs> yeah. um, okay. Thank you, Ollie. Thank you for your time. <laughs> Thank you very much. We'll see you soon.